Was it Donny Osmond? I feel like he'd be one to be <laughs> like, yeah, go give me the ticket. He'd be one. Hey, okay. look. Uh, no, I've never pulled over the soldier of love. <laughs> <laughs> saving lives. Saving lives. Saving lives. Saving lives. Saving lives. By promoting safety and health through education, services, and products, this, this is Utah Safety Podcast. Speaking up for safety. Okay, well, I'm excited today. My name is Brandy Crockett. I am here to do our first podcast ever. Ever. That's super exciting. Excited. Yeah. <laughs> and I probably should have started this. Hi, I'm Brandy Crockett. Um, I'm the current vice president of operations at the Utah Safety Council. I've been here for 20 years, and I'm excited to tell you that we are recording our first ever podcast. Um, it's happening today. For speaking up for safety is what we called our podcast. So there's going to be a lot more shows and more exciting things to come. But I'm super excited for our first guest to be Sergeant Lawrence Hopper of the Utah Highway Patrol. He's been there for over 16 years, and he's also been an instructor at the Utah Safety Council for how long now? Do you know? About nine years now. Nine years. Okay. So a long time. And as I was getting ready for this, I realized... I think Lawrence knows more about me than I know about him. He knows some very embarrassing facts about me. I know a lot about you. Yeah. And I love it. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm excited to learn more about him today. So I'm calling this show Highway to the Danger Zone because I just think it's funny. And it, you know, we do have dangerous (laughs) roads. It's very clever. We have to introduce all of our guests here. (laughs) Okay, sorry. (laughs) We'll back up. So, like I said... I'm here, and we'll go to John. John is here. John Wojciechowski is here. (laughs) I've been here since about 8.15 this morning. (laughs) Three years, three and a half years overall, not that I'm counting. But super excited to be here, as Brandy said, our first ever uh, Utah Safety Council Speaking Up for Safety podcast. Uh, I do want to thank the Utah Labor Commission for their support in uh, funding this program and giving us a leeway to uh, launch this. So uh, anything that you don't like, blame the Utah Labor Commission because they said we could do it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and we also have Laura Brown. I am here today and I've been here since 740. Um, So no, I've been here for um, just over, well, it'll be seven years uh, within the next, yeah. Tomorrow. A couple days. Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow will be seven years. So I've been with the Safety Council and working on this, uh, getting everything set up today. It's kind of exciting seeing everything come together. And I'm, I'm excited to learn a little more about Lawrence. He doesn't know all of my most embarrassing moments, so that's great. <laughs> but I'm but I'm, 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 I'm listening today for his. So <laughs> I hope to not disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. So as I was putting together what I wanted to talk to you today about, I was just kind of coming across and doing some research. And you may or may not have heard, but last year, ABC4 reported um, that Utah ranked the six worst drivers in the nation. And that is behind Iowa. I had to look it up. Iowa, North Dakota, Virginia, California, and Alaska. Alaska? I know. With, so with the dog sleds and everything? <laughs> we're we're I mean, 
They're a little bit worse than us. They're they're worse yeah. with their dog sleds than yeah. we are with our big wagons. Mm-hmm. It's All per right. capita. I think Alaska has nine drivers, and all <laughs> nine of them have received. Some all sort nine of are horrible, <laughs> mm-hmm. horrible drivers. That's probably true. But I mean, in your professional opinion, what do you think of that? Why do you think that is? Do you think that's true? What do you see out on the road? Yeah, we we have issues in Utah. Uh, we have issues just like every state does. Um, I think that a big issue that we have is speed. We have people that just are, are going way too fast on the roads, and uh, they, they try and fit so much in their day that they, they run out of time to do certain things, and they figure, well, I'll make up this time by, by speeding. And that's where we have real problems is, uh, is the, the high rates of speed that we got people going. The average speed on uh, Utah roadways, uh, if, the, uh, if the speed limit is 70 miles an hour, the average speed is 77. And, uh, mm-hmm. and so if, if, if they're going 77 for the, the flow of traffic, uh, imagine how much easier it is just to go three, four more miles over the speed limit. You're going 81 miles an hour in a 70-mile-hour zone. Uh, that's ridiculous. That's, that's a real problem that we have is, uh, is the speed here in Utah. And, and I would think that's, that's one of the reasons why we're ranked so high is because of our speed. Another reason would be um, people are just not patient en- enough with, with <laughs> other drivers, with, with things that are going on the road. I, I have this feeling that they feel like they're the only ones on the road. And if they don't think that they're the only ones, they're the only ones that are important. We got to be a little bit more considerate of other drivers and uh, a little bit more responsible and a little bit more respectful. Yeah, no, I agree. I'll, we've talked about it here too is we all take different roads on the way into work and you know there's always somebody speeding past you and it seems like no matter how fast you go and for the record i i don't speed but i'm sure, just saying sure yeah <laughs> i just told you the average was 77 you're trying to say it's not well i'm, I'm sure my average is 70 70 I've, maybe 71 on a bad day i've heard that before <laughs> keep going though. no but i'm saying you know it's it's doesn't matter it seems like no matter where you are there's always someone going fast or, you know, coming up on you and basically, you know, trying to go past you. Yeah. So. And in my patrol car, obviously, I don't see it as much as uh, maybe in my personal vehicle. Yeah. Um, but I still see it. And it's, it's shocking sometimes. The other day I was uh, I was driving towards the office in my patrol car and I was on the freeway. I was going about what, 72, 73 miles an hour. And this car passes me at a, at a high rate of speed. And I'm, I'm in my marked patrol car <laughs> and he passes me. And so, you know, I, I had things to do, so I figured I would, I would pull up alongside him, make sure he realizes that I'm there, and that will get him to slow down. You know, it's, it's called voluntary compliance. We're looking for people to do the right thing, not because of, of the fear of getting a citation, but because they understand that going the speed limit is a safe thing to do, and that's what we were looking for is, is voluntary compliance. So I pull up alongside him. He looks over at me. We make eye contact. <laughs> And he's still going. He's still going like 82 miles an hour is what I paced him at. And I thought, okay, look, if if it's not important enough for you to to slow down when you see a marked unit, then we're gonna have a little chat. And uh, I pulled him over, and I explained to him what was going on. And I said, you know, I wasn't. I was not planning on pulling you over. I was hoping that you would have slowed down, which is what I was looking for. You chose not to. Now you wasted all this time with the stop. He was obviously in a hurry to get somewhere. And not only that, but now you got to find out you have to pay with the citation. And so I, I just don't get it why, why people, even with us in there, even with us being seen in our patrol cars, they still 
exceed the speed limit. They still do things that uh, that they shouldn't be doing. Very unsafe things, unsafe practices on behind the wheels. How often does voluntary compliance work? <laughs> it's a catchphrase. It's, it's it's kind of a clever thing to say, but uh, I, I think once they get buy-in, that's when it works. Once they understand that uh, that the things that they do doesn't just affect themselves, but it affects so many other people. Once they realize that, then they start uh, getting that voluntary compliance. They start doing things that are that that they should be doing because they know that it's the safe thing to do and that other people want them to get home. They have loved ones that they want to, that they want to spend the holidays with. And so it's a long road to get to when it comes to voluntary compliance, but, but it does happen. Yeah. When it comes to speed, there seems to be this belief amongst Utah drivers that there's a cushion. So if the speed limit is 70, as long as they're going 75 or not going 10 over, then they're going to be okay and not get in trouble. That's not true, is it? It is not true. <laughs> the only problem is that's on, and, and forgive me for saying this, uh, Utah Highway Patrol, that's on us. If we allow vehicles to speed past us and we don't do anything about it, the message that we're sending is, yeah, it's fine, whatever, you know? And so that's that's a mistake that, that we're making. On the flip side, though, I guarantee you that if I stop someone for five miles over, I will get an earful for it. You stop me for five miles. We got people that are going 10, 15, 20 miles over the speed limit, and you're stopping me for five miles over. Where do we start? You know, we got to start somewhere. And so, no, there. people ask me all the time, how fast can I go if the speed limit is 70 miles an hour? Can I get away with 75? Can I get away with 76? The answer is once you hit 71 miles an hour, it is a violation. You could get pulled over. Are you going to? Eh, probably not, especially if the uh, the flow of traffic is 77 miles an hour. But once you start going over 70 miles an hour, you run the risk of getting a citation. You have yourself to blame, nobody else. And what about those people that, you know, there's the high rate of speed, and then there's the people who tailgate at the high rate of speed. They, I have, like, major issues when I look at my back window and somebody is right up on me, and I'm already going. I'm I'm not a slow driver, I'll say it. But I, I stay far back. Look. I stay far back and away from trucks and away from people, like any of that. So I have a real hard time. I think that, you know, especially with like the texting and driving and things like that going on, it's just a constant thing. But the tailgating is a nonstop thing here. Yeah. And and p- people complain about that a lot, too. And, and really, the only thing that I can I can think to say to them is you can't control what other people do behind the wheel. But you can certainly control what you do behind the wheel, and you can also control your reaction to what other people do behind the wheel. Obviously, I'm assuming that they're tailgating you because you're going too slow for them. They want to get around <laughs> you. They got to get, you know, they got places to go. They're far more important than you are. All that kind of stuff. And the only piece of advice that I can give is let get them go. Get out of the way. Yep, let them go. We'll get them down the road. I, I, I can guarantee Which that. Which I've seen. You've seen? Wonderful. <laughs> oh, yes. Good. That's good to hear. But but not letting them go just makes them upset. Right. And then they're going to do things. They're going to cut you off. They're going to slam on their brakes. They're going to give you obscene gestures. They're going to call you names. And then it's going to get your blood to boil. Maybe maybe not you specifically, but we've seen it where yep. where someone's tailgating and they get right up alongside them. They start yelling at them. And then the other car yells back at them and back and forth, back and forth. 
and and it's just a mess. It's just it's just extremely deadly, and it's something that shouldn't happen, and we don't want to deal with that. So, my advice is, if you're getting tailgated, just move over, let them go. We'll we'll see them down the road, either in the ditch or with the red and blue lights on. Right, cherries and berries. Cherries and berries. <laughs> cherries and berries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so one other thing I kind of came across, and I wanted to ask you. So in looking at crash data, right, fatalities specifically, we've seen last year was the highest number of fatalities we've seen that I could see going back to 2010. And even in like COVID years, right, when people weren't driving, what do you attribute that to do? Why, why are there more fatalities when there was less driving? And why are we seeing such a jump? I think it went up 52 fatalities over the year before just last year. Why do you think there's that increase? You know, your guess is just as good as mine. We have all sorts of different theories. One is obviously with the speed, the increase in speed. Mm -hmm. We've got more people traveling over 100 miles an hour than we have ever in the past. People are just brazen enough to where 100 miles an hour is no big deal. It's a big deal. And obviously the, the higher the speeds, the, the worse the, the injuries are going to be and the more fatalities that we're, we're going to have. So we've seen an increase with the uh, the 100 plus miles an hour. I think that attributes to it. And and once you're going over 100 miles an hour, if you have to take evasive action or if you have some kind of equipment failure, a tire that blows, that's that's it for you. This isn't a video game. It's not like you can put a quarter in the game and, and try it all over again. Once you start losing control at 100 miles an hour, that's a bad day. And uh, I think that has a lot to do with it. Another issue that we see are, are people are not wearing their seatbelts. Mm. I, I don't understand why it's such a difficult thing for, for people to put on their seatbelts. And, and I, I get a lot of arguments when it comes to seatbelt enforcement. People say, well, the government already controls so much of my life. I'm going to put my foot down on this one. You can't make me put my seatbelt on. And, you know, that's, that's probably true. I can't. But I'll cite you every single time I see you, and, uh, and I, I can at least do that. So I think that has a lot to do with it as well. And then, uh, again, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the impatience that people have, the disrespect, and uh, the irresponsibility that people have when it comes to driving behind the wheel, people just don't care until it happens to a loved one. Then all of a sudden they care. Yeah. And that's a sad (laughs) reality, right? You know, when you look at 52 fatalities, 52 isn't a big number if you're looking at M&M's in a bag, right? Like I could eat those pretty quickly, sure. but 52 fatalities is huge. It's so significant. And I am, you know, the impact is just horrible. That's 52 families that we have to knock on their doors and let them know their loved one isn't coming home again. I, I just had one uh, last weekend was, uh, we were trying to track down his, he, he, he died in a crash in, uh, in Lehigh. We tried to track down his next of kin, and we spent four hours knocking on eight different doors trying to find where his his brother lives, his 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 daughter, his son. That's that's time that we could be spending on the road. And of course, I'm not saying that we're not going to do it. Of course, this is a this is this is something that we have to do, and and uh, we take it very seriously. But um, when you think that 99% of all crashes are preventable in one way or another if you go further far enough back 52 more fatalities than we had in in the past 
um, that's a very disappointing number, especially thinking that uh, the majority of those could be prevented. Mm-hmm. Of the 52 fatalities, is there a specific part of Utah highways where you see the majority of those? Like if you're going to give advice to a Utah driver, hey, if you're going to speed, just don't do it here because that's where most of the problems are and you know going one mile an hour over the speed limit in this specific area of Utah's highways is like the worst idea to do. Yeah absolutely so there is an an area down in uh, St. George it's the Nevada border with Utah and there's an area up in uh, north the Utah border with Idaho so that stretch right there and then the Nevada border on the uh, on the west side with Wendover and then the Colorado border on the other side. So that area right there is the area that I don't want you to speed. If you get what I'm saying, it's the entire state of Utah. <laughs> that's what I'm getting at. I was going to say, what is it with I'm, the border? I'm thinking through this like, what? So, that's the whole state. That's the entire state. That's what I, I don't want you speeding in the state of Utah. Is there more? <laughs> I'm glad you don't have a sense of humor. I mean. <laughs> Is there a, a, a more hazardous area of Utah's highways than others, though? You, you know, you, you can you can argue that there's some some areas that are are, uh, are more dangerous than others. When you have those cross streets that uh, where you got high speeds going and, and cross streets, people trying to get across the highway, um, that's never a, a good thing. When you get higher speeds. 80 miles an hour as opposed to 60, 65, obviously that's going to be a, an issue. The higher speeds, we talked about that. But really, um, you, you go to any any road, any freeway on the in the state of Utah, and you can find dangerous areas and, and not so dangerous areas. But in the end, it's, it's, it's all dangerous if you're not going to be driving responsible. Agreed. One other thing, too, that I wanted to ask you about that we just saw um, on the news, both John and I, debris on the road right so we just saw i don't know if you saw it but it was on the news and it was this big piece of metal that just literally the girl was driving down i think the highway right yeah it's just over here yeah yeah not too far from our office and um this huge thing of metal just came right through her front windshield Mm. and that's something we've talked about internally here is just you know some feedback we've heard is that there's more debris out on the road. Are you seeing that? Oh, absolutely. And w- what do you think? I, I think it's horrible. <laughs> I mean, I okay, you agreed. Know, but like, why? Like, what is what is with the increase? Yeah, why is there always a filing cabinet on Highway 89? And who's responsible for getting You know, the- it, it goes back to that responsibility thing. Um, it, it's a big fine for not securing your load, for able to track down who it is. Um, I've gotten many people upset with me because I cited them for losing their debris. Uh, and I explained to them, hey, look, look at all the resources that we have to put into for picking up your filing cabinet that you chose not to secure. I need to have another troop do a slowdown. We need to back up all the traffic because I'm not going out in the trot. I'm not going to be playing Frogger <laughs> trying to get your filing cabinet. Forget it. And, and they get upset, but I try and explain to them why it's so dangerous. The worst part about it is if someone were to lose a filing cabinet and they feel like they can get it, um, they don't need the traffic to slow down. Oh, I see a big break there. Let me go ahead and try and, and get it out myself. Oh, so scary. Um, we have we've had many people that get hit uh, trying to get their own debris out of the out of the roadway. And so, uh, since we're talking about it to to all the listeners, my recommendation is 
Call 911. That is an emergency. A lot of people say, well, it's not a crash. It's not, you know, somebody hurt. Well, it is an emergency waiting to happen. And it's so, about to be a crash. Absolutely. So call 911. Get us out there. Are you going to get cited? It's possible. But uh, I'd rather deal with a citation in court than deal with a funeral uh, where my family has to bury me because I thought it would be, I thought I could make it. I thought I was fast enough to, to get the debris out. Um, we've, we've had many close calls um, for, for the dumbest things, too. There's no debris that's worth risking your life to try and go get it. So call 911. Uh, let us get out there. We'll take care of things and then stay safe. Yeah, my husband and I actually did that. Um, there was a moving box that fell off a guy's truck a couple years ago. We called 911, let him know. And about two months later, we got a call from insurance companies because they wanted to know more information about what we had seen because it did cause an accident. Oh, yep. Yeah. And, you know, when when we can't track down the people that uh, lose the debris, that that's horrible for those that hit the debris. Then it, they have, they're the ones that have to take care of it. Yeah. It comes out of their insurance. Uh, it's not fair to them. Going back to that word, uh, disrespect. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's not right. No, that, I think that's great. No, debris is not great. What is <laughs> it is great that you're giving us that tip. It is not great to put your yeah. debris in the road. Yeah. Along those same lines, not to cut you off, Brandy, but uh, what other situation would warrant calling 911 for? Like if you're off the side of the road, average speed is 77 miles an hour, and you have a flat tire, should you attempt to change it off of, uh, the side of the road on 915, or should you dial 911? Great question. And a lot of people will say the same thing. Well, I'm not going to call 911 for a flat tire because it's not an emergency. Well, like we talked about, it's certainly an emergency waiting to happen. Mm. And unfortunately, I can tell you stories of people who have been hit and killed. I know two stories right off the top of my head that have been hit and killed while they've been changing tires because red and blues, the cherries and berries aren't there to uh, to protect them, to get drivers to move over. And so... Um, yeah, we want you to call 911. We have we have incident management trucks that can come, um, those big trucks, those big white trucks that you see, or we can send a troop to go and then help out. It's not an emergency right now, but it's certainly one waiting to happen. And uh, when you're sitting on the side of the road with a flat tire, you're a sitting duck. And there's going to be somebody that is going to be texting or changing the radio, or they're going to drop their phone, and they're going to reach down for it, and that steering wheel is going to turn right into the shoulder, right where you're at, and uh, and that's going to be tragic ending, tragic results. So absolutely, call 911. That's our job. That's our job to uh, to keep the motoring public safe, and uh, we'll, we'll come by, we'll help you out, we'll get you out of there, and uh, hopefully not have any problems. When, I have a question then. Because you also see incident management trucks on the side of the road that will help people change tires or gas or whatnot. So what is the difference, right? When would you get dispatched as compared to sending them? So the majority of the time we both get okay. um, dispatched. And a lot of times I'll stop on, on a vehicle. If it's an out of gas, then then we have our, our incident management trucks. Um, and, and let me give a quick shout out to them. They are so phenomenal to have. I can remember when they were not around and, uh, or if they were, they weren't around as mu- nearly as much as they are now. These guys, they work hard. 
They care about their job. They care about keeping the highway safe. They care about keeping motoring public safe. All they want to do is help out. And so I give a big shout out to uh, the incident management, UDOT, for coming up with the, helping us out with that. Um, I appreciate that. And uh, they're just a great tool to have. So the question was, uh, who, does, who gets dispatched? And it would be both of us. It is a law for, for motorists to move over for the incident management trucks when their, their lights are flashing, but uh, sometimes they don't. But those IMT trucks, they are they have direct communication with the UHP officers, so if they notice somebody bl- uh, flying by while they're trying to help somebody on the side of the road, they can radio and ask for help from an officer, UHP officer, who will uh, track them down and cite them Indeed. for failure to move over. Indeed. We, we share the same radio channel, so they hear everything that we hear. They are an extra set of eyes, and it's been many times that, uh, that they've seen something and they've followed the car, and we'd catch up with them and uh, make a DUI arrest. There was a, a, a garbage truck that was losing garbage all over 201, and uh, one of our incident management trucks called it in, and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, and oh, yep, there it is, and there goes all the, uh, there goes all the trash. And so, yeah, they're, they're great to have, and they're, they're, they're hard workers, and we really appreciate them. When you think about it, it's interesting that there's not very many of them. We just pulled up to cover the whole state, right? That's a lot of roads to mm-hmm. cover. Yeah, so agreed. Yeah, they're great to have. Mm-hmm. And talking about the approaching the emergency vehicle violations, you know, of course, we see people come through and a lot of them, you know, we get the older people who have, I haven't been pulled over in, you know, 40 years but I was pulled over for that. With that law coming into effect, have you seen an impact made? You know, it's, it's, it all depends on when you ask me that question. <laughs> uh, if you ask me right now, I'm going to say no, I don't see an impact made because we just had another troop that was hit maybe two, three weeks ago mm-hmm. um, because somebody was distracted by a bug. Um, There's a bug in his car, and he felt like that bug was more important than paying attention to what he was doing, driving a car, plowed right into our troop, um, sent him to the hospital, totaled his car, totaled his patrol car. So right now, I'm going to say no. (laughs) I don't see much of a difference. The two times that I've been hit in my career, no, I don't see much of a difference. But on the flip side, we are focusing on that that law a little bit more now than, than we have in the past. And that's why you're going to have a lot of people saying, oh, I haven't been pulled over for years, but then all of a sudden I got pulled over for this. And I'll hear people tell me, well, I didn't know it was a violation. Well, ignorance of the law isn't really an excuse. You know, it's not a defense. You can't go to the judge and say, well, your honor, I didn't know I was supposed to move over for him. I mean, it's a nice thing to do, but I didn't realize that it was the law. There are a lot of things that I can have a little patience with. But the move-over law, absolutely not. Um, this is a direct correlation to my safety and my trooper's safety, and so absolutely, we're going to be we're going to be forcing or enforcing that one, focusing on that one, and and we just need people to move over. Now, the nice thing is, there are times when we're doing enforcement and we can't find one person that hasn't moved over, which is fantastic. I'd rather see that and be looking and not find it then be busy all day long for people that don't move over. Definitely. So it kind of ebbs and flows like everything in in law enforcement. I kind of want to ask you questions about you now. All right. You're recording, right? Yes. Here we go. This is the part I'm excited for. We should have got his wife in here. (laughs) Tell all your secrets. She'd she'd love it. 
love it. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said earlier, I realized I know that you love muffins and red velvet <laughs> cookies. Um, but, you know, I, I've never asked you why you decided to become a law enforcement officer. So that's an easy question. That happened when I was eight years old. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, T.J. Hooker was the big (laughs) T.J. Hooker, William Shatner. I watched how he rolled on that hood of the car as he was chasing someone and how cool it looked. And I thought, that is what I want to do. And I just haven't lost that, that desire. I love what I do. I love working for the Highway Patrol. Um, It is a phenomenal organization. Every day I go to work excited for work. I work with the best people in law enforcement hands down. And and the way I see it is if you find a job where you're excited to go to work every single day, you got it made. I I feel bad sometimes that they pay me for what I do. (laughs) I'm glad that they do. But um, that's where it all started. I was eight years old, TJ Hooker. I I was thinking about changing my career once upon a time. I looked into elementary education. I but could, uh, I could see you doing that. I, I you know, I, I'd probably scare the kids, <laughs> you know, be a little intimidating and that and that's fine. You know, well, scare them. You see him with third graders and he's walking around with Mickey Mouse socks on or something. <laughs> I can do that. That'd be fun. <laughs> you know, I, I have three years left, so maybe I'm looking for another career. Who knows? But when I when I made that decision to, to look into elementary education, every single time a patrol vehicle would pass me I would look at that and like, I don't want to do this. I mean, it's a noble career, teaching and education, but I want to be in law enforcement. And so uh, I made the switch back and uh, never looked back. I imagine Lawrence starting every shift, uh, running out of his house as fast as he can, and then sliding skidding, across, yeah, sliding across the hood of the car into the into the uh, driver's seat. I've done it a couple times, just <laughs> just you know to pay homage to to William Shatner, T.J. Hooker. <laughs> Obviously, we can't video this podcast, but we'll all be following you out after we're done see, today, and we want to see. I'll, it. I'll show it to you. I mean, I've, I'm not as young as I used to be. But uh, I might break a hip, <laughs> but okay. at least it'll be fun. That's right. Memorable. That's yeah, right. just don't do it at the Utah Safety Council. <laughs> wait, till I get, yeah. wait till I get home. Okay, so I think that's super interesting and, and good to know, But and that you love the job, because we all know you can see that in you, and you're super passionate about not just, you know, your stuff at the UHP, but even stuff here, like you've one defensive driving instructor of the year. Let's not forget that. The National Safety Council. From the National Safety Council. So we know that you're totally committed to to what you do. But that being said, I mean, law enforcement is super dangerous. How does the reward for you outweigh the risk? Like, I know you have a family, you have children and your wife. You're taking a risk every day to, you know, really protect all of us and to make sure the roads are safe. Like, how... When you put on the uniform, how does that make you feel every day, right? Reward out, outweigh the risk. Yeah. The I've gain outweigh the times. risk. Yes. Right? Uh-huh. So, so that's one thing about the risk is I don't think about it. You know, I, I, I know it's there. I don't ponder on it uh, every, every day when I go to work. You know, I don't, I don't think about that kind of stuff. What I focus on is, is trying to help people get to where they're going safely it sounds cliche-ish, but that's really what, what my passion is, is, is of people's safety. Um, that's really all I care about. As, as horrible as 
uh, it might be sometimes. One thing that, uh, that we do is when we do fatal notifications, um, we talked about it a little bit earlier in this uh, podcast, but fatal notifications are, are really where it, it shows how much we care about people. We will go to great lengths to, to try and, and contact these, these next of kins. And, uh, and, and it's not a, a quick knock on the door saying, hey, you know, sorry for your loss. This is what happened. And we will stay with these people and we will make sure that they're taken care of before we ever leave. We had one fatal notification that took four hours to, uh, to we were with her for four hours because she had nobody close that could be with her. And, uh, you know, these, that's, that's where I get my, my satisfaction, not, not from fatal notifications, but seeing that I've made an improvement and I've, I've helped people in their, in their lives. And when I get thanks, people come up to me and, and tell me thanks for, for my service, thanks for everything that I do. Total strangers. I'm like, well, you, you don't know what I do, but you do because I'm, I'm wearing the uniform. And um, that, that means a lot to me as well. And then here at the Safety Council, um, I get a lot of uh, um, satisfaction when I'm, when I'm teaching classes and I help people realize that the choices that they make don't just affect themselves. It affects everybody in their life. And they come into the class maybe a little bit upset that they have to take the class, maybe a little bitter that they have to spend four hours, but they leave realizing that their choices don't affect just themselves. It affects so many other people, and that makes them a better driver. That's where we get the voluntary compliance. And, and when I see the light turn on, I just love it. I, I love it. And, and that's why I'm, I'm passionate about what I do. I get people to, to realize that people love them and they want them to come home. So drive that way. Drive that way. Get to where you're going safely. Don't be in such a rush. It's not worth it. That's where I get my, the excitement from my job is, is seeing the change in people. Yeah. What, I mean, maybe this is too personal, but like, you know, what are your conversations with your kids about how dangerous it is? Or do you kind of leave it at the door when you come home or how do you? Absolutely. I leave it at the door. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk to my wife about work and every now and then I'll talk to my kids about uh, certain things that happen. And, and I save, you know, the exciting stuff for them, not the not the stuff that maybe they don't need to hear. But we had uh, we had a pursuit a long, long time ago where uh, somebody had stolen a truck out of Davis County. And uh, I set up to, to throw spikes out on the freeway at about 4300 South. And um, as I was throwing the spikes out, the driver of the truck swerved to miss the spikes and actually came straight to where I was. And uh, I had to kind of Superman dive to get out of the way to avoid getting hit. No big deal to me, but uh, the news asked me to talk about that situation and talk about what had happened. And I didn't realize this, but my wife was watching the news that night and she saw what had happened. And here I am saying, yeah, I had to avoid getting hit. Um, it was pretty close. And um, she never watches the news. <laughs> so that night she happened to watch it. I try and I try and uh, protect them from that kind of stuff, but they know it's dangerous. Um, they're old enough to understand. I'll talk to them about things, and they understand how it works. But uh, they also understand that that uh, I, I can take care of myself. If something happens, I'll take care of it. Um, we are we are very trained, highly trained. I take my training seriously because I know that uh, out on the road, 
I'm going to need that training to get me home at night. And they understand that. And uh, that's, that's why it works for us. Yeah. I think we've talked about it before, but I went through the UHP Citizens Academy. Yes. Did you enjoy that? It was so much fun. It's fun, isn't it? It was so fun. But not that I thought being a police officer was easy by any means, but going through that, I realized that I am not made of that tough stuff. <laughs> like, I do not have it in me to be able to do that. It takes a lot. It takes, you know, a certain kind of person, and I just respect that in any officer because the average person can't do what you do. Well, it's not for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll give you that. And and I look at other professions where I think, oh, I couldn't do that. And you have to have a bit of a, a an adrenaline junkie sometimes uh, to do this job. I uh, have to be crazy sometimes <laughs> to do the job. But at the same time, you, you, you do have to have a passion for it because we're certainly not doing it for, for the money. While I'm, I'm compensated enough to, to support the family, and, and that's, that's what I'm looking for, we're not going to be retiring millionaires uh, with this job. And so you do it because you have a passion for it. You'll, you'll run into one or two that uh, are there for the wrong reasons, but the majority of police officers are there for the right reasons. It's because they want to improve people's lives and, and they want to see people be safe. Well, I'm curious, uh, in the academy and your continued training as an officer, uh, do they, uh, they, the people that train you, do they encourage certain activities or stress the importance of uh, hobbies or downtime to uh, disconnect from the daily grind of being a UHP officer? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, one thing that has been preached my entire career is find friends that are not in law enforcement. And I, I think to myself, I can think of maybe four people in the patrol that I'm really good friends with. That doesn't mean I don't like anyone in the patrol <laughs> besides these four, but, but about four people that I actually go do stuff outside of, the, outside of work where you have other officers that uh, all they have are friends as officers. But when I get home, I want to be a, a husband, a dad, a friend. I don't want to be Sergeant Hopper. I don't want to talk about work. I'll talk about it with, with friends of mine because um, they're interested and I'm, and I'm okay with that. But, you know, when we get together as friends with, um, with other troopers, we don't talk shop. We, we talk about other things that we're interested in. That gives me a, a good balance of work and, and uh, life outside of work. Another thing that they are really encouraging right now is, is, is physical um, well-being exercising often and uh, getting out there and, and working up a sweat. And then uh, they're also encouraging um, mental health. Now more than ever, the Highway Patrol really stresses the importance of being healthy mentally. And, uh, and I really appreciate the patrol for, for um, putting that in the forefront of our mind. The importance of, uh, of, of being mentally sound. And uh, they've, they've made it a way to where we can go see professionals and, and talk about issues that we have in a confidential manner and a lot of troopers are taking advantage of that and they're coming out being able to deal with things that they see because we see things that that really people shouldn't have to see and it's as in the olden days it was more of a deal with it kind of a thing but they've realized that it's not as easy as is said to just deal with it and some people need professional help to deal with it and to get past what, what we see. And uh, so I, I really appreciate the patrol for, for putting that as a priority. I know a lot of troops, myself included, that have taken advantage of that. And uh, we feel much better with, uh, with our outlook, 
we feel better with uh, with the things that we see and we, we, we have tools on how to deal with it. And uh, it's just better for us than it was in the past. So what do you do for fun? What do you do to disconnect and marathon running? Is that what I thought I heard you say? That, I, I, I have ran, what, 14 of them, 14 marathons. So I, I love running. I, I put the headphones on and I listen to the music and I just forget about everything else. I enjoy spending time at home. I enjoy watching movies. My family, we always seem to go out to the premieres for movies. I don't know how Amy, my wife, how she's able to get tickets for. Um, we went and saw Maverick, Top Gun. It came out on Friday, and we saw it on Tuesday uh, the week before. I don't know how she gets these tickets, but I'm so glad she does because uh, we really we have a good time doing that. Vacations with the family, uh, something else I, I enjoy doing. And so there's there's a whole lot of things you would never know that I'm a I'm a police officer outside of work, um, just because I just don't talk about it. Um, there's there's so many other things that interest me in my life, but when I'm working, I'm I'm zeroed in. I'm 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 focused on what I'm doing, and we owe that to the to the taxpayers. We owe that to the motoring public to be focused like that. I think this has been super interesting super informative i feel like i know you even more now though yeah but there's one question you wanted to ask there's one go ahead (laughs) i love that uh you're just people police officers are just people you know and i i'm hopeful that you know as uh people listen to this they realize that that you know hey next time they get pulled over and they want to get mouthy with an officer that you know you guys are just doing your job and just you know, you go see movies and run marathons <laughs> and eat muffins just like the rest of us. <laughs> so, you know, on that note, when when we get people that are mouthy, and every officer is a little bit different, but for me, and it's, it's probably crazy that I would say this, but I love it when people start getting mouthy with me <laughs> because it's all being recorded and uh, it, it looks horrible for them in court. When when I show the judge how they were talking to me, I maintain my respect for them, and I, I, I over-sir them. You know, sir, you know, sir, sir this or that, and they just keep going and going and going. And and when it comes time to go to court with it, do you really think that's going to make them look good for the judge? No, it isn't. So I I really love it when people get angry with me and because <laughs> and it, it makes me feel like I'm doing my job, right? you're going to get upset with me because I'm pulling you over for going 90 miles an hour, that means I did my job. <laughs> Would you say that there are more women or men that get upset with you when they get pulled over? Definitely men. Definitely oh yeah, men. definitely men. Every now and then there, there will be a, 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 a woman that, that can best the men <laughs> for some <laughs> of the things that they say. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's definitely the men that are more hot headed and, and more, easy to anger than uh than women but really as long as people would just realize hey we're just trying to keep you safe i i'm not the one that was going 90 miles an hour 100 plus it was you take responsibility for this and i tell people if if you if i stop you and you own up to what you did um, that can go a lot further for you than if you start arguing with me i have a lot of discretion when it comes to who i cite and who i don't cite and, uh, and if you're starting to argue with me, uh, I, don't, I don't know about that. If you own up to what you did, let's talk, right? Yeah. Maybe we can work something out. I'll ask you a couple questions that uh, – yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let me answer. No, we don't have quota. <laughs> there, quota, there, bottom there is, of hills. There is no quota. 
I hear, I hear that all the time. Oh, of course you're out in the middle of, you're at the end of the month. You have a quota to fill. <laughs> oh, we don't have a quota. Is that what it was? Uh, that was one. Uh, the speed trap around Manaway, is that really a speed trap? And then, uh, you know, bottom of hills. And then I do have this theory that I am interested in if you would comment on that the worst, I'll just say the worst drivers in Utah drive Ram trucks with the Aggie <laughs> logo on their, <laughs> on their license plate. I can't prove I, it, but I, that's I, just my uh, theory. That's my scientific theory. I'm going to stay far away from that. <laughs> Probably wise. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and the, the mantua, I'm going to stay far away from that too because uh, I, I have no, no say in what they do up there. Um, but you know what? If you were going the speed limit, do you really have to worry about any speed trap? That's very no. true. You don't. That's very you true. don't have to worry about it. Okay, so I did think of my question, and it's it's a girl question, and I'm just gonna own it. What's your what's law enforcement take on crying? Does it help? Because I'm a crier anyway, and I'm gonna admit, like I've gotten a ticket and I've cried. And it didn't help. So am I just doing it wrong? Or? Yeah, you know. <laughs> She's cried away to a lot of raisins here over the years. <laughs> oh, my. No. <laughs> not really, not really. So so when, when I teach my class, I, I talk about how to act when you when you get pulled over by the police and, and what the right thing is to do and maybe not the right, so the not so right thing to do. Um, and I say, you know, one way to uh, – I'm not going to tell you how to get out of a ticket, but – Whatever you do, don't cry, especially if you're a guy. Now, Brandy, of <laughs> oh course, my. you're not. You're not. But uh, but crying doesn't get me get you anywhere. I know it sounds horrible, but uh, but if I'm stopping you, it's good reason, you know. Yeah. And so, crying isn't going to do much good. But that's that's for me. You know, other officers might might be affected by it. I mean, does it? Because I'm I I wouldn't cry to get out of a ticket, but. I just cry at everything. So it's, does it does it matter if it's like a real cry or you're trying to hold <laughs> in the cry? It doesn't matter. It, sounds like it's a stressful situation. <laughs> I understand. Yes. Um, nobody likes getting pulled over by the police, myself included. I've been pulled over a couple times, and it's not pleasant at all. Mm. But uh, I just certainly didn't cry. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay, so when when you get when a police officer pulls over another police officer, what happens? <clears throat> I do Give not us that run through. I don't tell them who I am. I own up for my mistake. Uh, there was one when I was going uh, 10 miles over the speed limit because the speed limit had just changed. You know, as you get into into the city and, and it went from uh, 65 to 55 and I was still slowly getting to the 55 and I got stopped and didn't tell them who I was. I'd, I'd rather take the citation <laughs> than be embarrassed and say, hey, this is who I am because so... <laughs> Big deal. So what if you're with the highway patrol? You should know. You should right? know better. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I would much rather just take the citation and mm. and uh, rather than own up to who I am because it's embarrassing. I, I should know better. And so does that happen often? No. Um, <laughs> doesn't happen often. But I can say in my 16 years, uh, it's been twice that I've been that I've been pulled over in my personal vehicle and not not going to say a word. Not going to say who I am because uh, that really doesn't matter. Um, the old, don't you know who I am? That's embarrassing. Mm. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are. You should be going the speed limit just like everybody else. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but I have a good question. So what is the best excuse you've heard? 
besides a baby is coming. I had that one. I'm he sure. was he was going 124 miles an hour. Oh wow. my gosh. And his wife was giving birth at the hospital up north, and he needed to get there. And uh, he's lucky he didn't get his car impounded. The the best excuse that I've received for speeding was a female, and uh, and I pulled her over. She was going like 90 miles an hour in a 65 mile hour zone. Pull her over, and I say, hey, you were going 90 in a 65. Is there a reason why you're going so fast? And she says, did you want the truth? I was like, well, yeah, I don't, I don't <laughs> want you to lie to me. She looks down in shame, and she says, I've got diarrhea. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and and I, 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 had her sight to, or I had her license with me, and I was looking at it. And as soon as she said that, I quickly handed it back. I said, you're on your way. You know, go, go be safe. Because think of it. Um, if she does, that's that's horrible, right? Um, she does not need to be on the side of the road. And if she doesn't, kudos to her for for saying something like that just to get out of a citation. Wow. Well, it worked. It, it sure did. And I, I gave her all the next the gas stations at the next stop. Go here, go here, go here. But whatever you do, just get out of here. So what you're saying is, ladies, don't cry. Don't cry. Get diarrhea. Just, <laughs> that's what you're telling us. Just get diarrhea. Just have the guts to say you have it. I guess that's true. You don't actually have to have it. Just no. Say you do. Now, now as we're talking, can I even say that word on the podcast? Sure. A, there I mean, aren't I just any rules. did, right? This is the first one. There's yeah, no rules. There's, well, we're going to find out really quick yeah. what rules there are now. It's fine. And so, yeah, that's, that's by far the best, exu- uh, the best excuse I've ever had. I pulled over some... some Famous. I'm using air quotes when I say famous. I'm sure they thought they were <laughs> local celebrities, if you will, who felt like uh, they they should get special treatment. I also pulled over someone who uh, who was well known, and um, I walked back with a with a warning. That was my prerogative, and he said, "Hey, I appreciate you doing this, but I want you to go back and issue me a citation." I said, "What?" He says, "Yeah, I want you to go back and issue me a citation." And I said, "Well, it's my, it's my prerogative. It's my discretion, and I appreciate that you want want me to do that. But slow down. I've I've given warnings for much worse than what I gave him a warning for. But so yeah, people. Some people feel like they they are entitled. Other people are are down to earth and realize, hey, if I screwed up, I screwed up, and I need to pay the price. And I like that." Was it Donny Osmond? I feel like he'd be one to be <laughs> like, yeah, go give me the be ticket. One. Hey, okay. look. Uh, no, I've never pulled over the soldier of love. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the day I do, though, because I will bust it out. Well, that answers the question what you listen to while you're... Night. <laughs> yeah. you can't get enough. Ooh, this is recorded. It's a karaoke song. Well, very good. I don't know what you have left, Brandy, but I am curious uh, your thoughts about the importance of our Live at 25 program and you know how that's saving lives and, and doing good things here in Utah. You already know my passion when it comes to Live at 25. I feel like uh, the sooner we can get to the drivers, the earlier, the younger they are, to help them realize how their decisions, again, don't just affect them, but affect uh, their family, their friends, their loved ones. As soon as we can get in and, and help them realize that, they'll become better drivers. And so I think the Alive at 25 is a phenomenal program. I encourage people to, to take it, even if they are not required to take it, uh, even if they don't have a citation that would bring them to that class. I'm talking to people all the time who have 
new drivers, young drivers, hey, you got to take this class. And I don't care if it's me or somebody else teaching the class. It's great curriculum. And 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 I, th- I think that if younger drivers take that class, hopefully they'll leave better drivers and realizing that uh, they got to think about other people, not just themselves. Again, I'm passionate about that program, and that's why I teach it. That's why you know I'll I'll, I'll do what I can to make sure that uh, that class is is going strong um, because it's important. Very good. I have a question that kind of goes along with that. So a lot of times when, you know, we have calls come into the office and they're asking about the different driving programs, especially with the Alive at 25, parents sometimes want to attend with their teens. Would you say that teens do better in the course knowing that their parents are not there? Absolutely. Um, one, One thing that I stress at the very beginning of my class is that this is a circle of trust. You can say anything you want in this class. That's why we don't let your parents be here. <laughs> it's a judge-free zone. Um, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. It's the same as Alive at 25. What happens in this class stays in this class. I'm not going to be judging. And, and when I mention that to them, they tend to open up. Um, and they tend to tell me, hey, this is what we see. This is what we do. And, and I take that and I kind of spin it back on to them and say, Okay, that's what you're doing, but you got to realize how this affects so many other people, not just yourself. And and that's when I see the light turn on. That's when it clicks to them like, oh, you know what? Maybe I should be slowing my speeds down. Maybe I should be putting my seatbelt on at all times, not just when I'm going on the freeway. Maybe I should uh, stop texting uh, and wait until until I, I, I stop the car. You know, all these things that uh, that they're doing that are bad driving behaviors they're not bad people by any means. And I, and I stress that. I said, hey, look, the fact that you're taking this class doesn't make you a bad person. It just means that you made a mistake behind the wheel and you got caught. So let's talk about that mistake. Let's talk about what you can do to change it. And, uh, and then, you know, be a better driver. And uh, I think that really resonates with the, uh, the young drivers is, is the ability that they have, uh, the, the openness that they have to, to tell how it is without their parents there. I've had a couple of parents want to stay, and I tell them, I'm sorry, it's, it's, it's not, parents aren't allowed. If you want to take the class, there's a defensive driving class, and we'd, be, we'd love to have you join us. But, but here it's just for the younger drivers, and it's a chance for them to, to really be open about what they see and, and without any repercussions from their parents. Yeah. All right. Well, the last question I have for you, it's tying it back into our podcast. So, to anybody listening, how can we speak up for safety in your world? So everybody has a loved one. Everybody has a, a mother, a father, um, brother, and sister. Um, if they see, if they're a passenger in uh, in a vehicle where they see some kind of driving that uh, that shouldn't be happening, they need to say something because we can't be there everywhere. And uh, we, we count on, on passengers, we count on drivers themselves to, to correct their, their driving behavior. It goes back to that catchphrase that I said earlier, voluntary compliance. We're looking for voluntary compliance. And uh, everyone can, can do the right thing for the right reason, which is because they have loved ones, because they want to get home safely. Make my job easier to where if you're going the speed limit, if you are not texting while you're driving, if you're wearing your seatbelt, I will never have to knock on your loved one's home to let them know that you're not coming home. I would love it. By far, that's the worst part of my job is, is fatal notifications. We do them, 
and uh, and it sounds it sounds weird that I would say that it's an honor to do them, even though they're really difficult. But I understand their family is going to be really struggling with this, and they need all the support that they can get, even if it's from even if it's from a total stranger in a uniform, telling them what had happened is what we do. But we don't like doing it. We'd rather we'd rather not. And so, if we can get people to slow their speeds down put on their seatbelts, uh, leave the phone alone, realize that their driving choices don't affect just themselves, but other people as well. Get to where you're going safely, and uh, that's really all that we can ask. Yeah, good. Couldn't have said it any better. So thank you very much. Thank you for coming here today and um, being part of Speaking Up for Safety. Thank you. I have you know a lot of respect for you and what the other officers do, so... And you're a great instructor. So we appreciate you at the Safety Council. Well, I appreciate you. I, I, I love what I do. You know this. And it's great working with you. Yeah. It's always a pleasure. Well, thank you. Thanks. That's a wrap. That's a wrap. <laughs>